The Clueless Joe podcast is recorded at DBAT Nashville and brought to you by Rawlings, the nation's leading baseball and softball training academy franchise and the world's top baseball and softball brand have teamed up to create an exciting new partnership. DBAT, powered by Rawlings, the official ball, glove, and helmet of Major League Baseball. To learn more, go to Rawlings.com or visit your local DBAT. Say hey, baseball fans. Welcome to the Clueless Joe podcast, powered by Rawlings, episode two. Come to you from D-Bat Nashville, the premier baseball and softball batting cage and training academy in Middle Tennessee. Developing beliefs, attitudes, and traditions, music city style. You can follow us on social media across all platforms at D-Bat Nashville. I'm your host, John Chris. I'm here with my squad, Former Memphis Tigers, Zach Schreitenthal. Go Tigers. <laughs> Ed Orgeron just walked in the room. And former Georgetown Tiger, Ryan Gaynor. What's going on? Coming up later in the show, we're going to be joined by Tony Manzalino, who's the third base coach for the Baltimore Orioles. But we begin with the newly named American League MVP, Aaron Judge. He's coming off a season in which he belted an AL record 62 home runs. He flirted with the triple crown. Easy for me to say. Very late in the season. Really had one of the best <laughs> statistical years of all time. 311, 62, and 131. But he's also a free agent. Doesn't seem to be in a hurry to go back to the Bronx. So let's start here. Should teams be lining up to offer him a monster nine-figure contract? Start us up, Brian. You want me to start us up? Go for it. Perfect. Um, yes, I do think that teams should be lining up to give him a big contract because he deserves it after the season he just had. Now, me being an Angels fan, and I know they're not going to be one of the teams lined up, I just hear big contract and my skin crawls. We were we were looking off air at the top 20, 25 or whatever it was, big contracts. The Angels have three of them in there, and one is Albert Pujols, and the other one is Anthony Rendon. So two of the three are dubious to say the least. Yeah, uh, it was you know big contracts we sh- we struggle with, and I hate big contracts. But yes, I do think he deserves it, and he will get it. I just don't know what team it's going to be with. I think uh, if you got the checkbook, you better be knocking on that door. Uh, I agree. I-, I think I think he's going to be very good for a while. Uh, I think, I think his long contract will be a lot better. How than long Albert is a, how long is a while? I don't see ten he ten years. 30. Ten years is a little too. I mean, long. he is thirty. Ten years is a little too long. Um, I could see a solid seven seven to eight year deal, and I think he's, I think he's performing very well for a good chunk of that. Um, I don't I don't see I don't see it being an Albert Pool situation. I think why. Uh, I, I think he's that good. I'm not saying he's. Do you know, you know Albert Pujols, right? I, I know when Albert he Pujols. went to the Angels, if how good go back, he was. Yes, let's revisit that right away because if we can go back to when Albert Pujols left the Cardinals and went to the Angels, he had accomplished more than Aaron Judge substantially by the time he hit more. 
substantially more and was much higher regarded in terms of what he could do in his next contract. That's not close. That's fair. It, I'm just I, I, I'm just saying, and this is my apprehension to big contracts, I, is he's 30 years old. He'll be you, 31 in April. That's what I'm you know, saying. 20 games into the next season, he'll already be 31. So what's a, so what's what's a saying, fair so big contract I, I don't for even, him? So I don't even think it needs to be a, a long-term deal. I mean, it could be a, a, a Carlos Correa deal where it's three years with max it out and maybe give him an option out in, in a year or so. I mean, it doesn't sound like he's really set on a certain place on where he wants to go, even though San Francisco does make sense. But if you're his agent, that's not the story you're telling. Yeah, this right. is probably your one true chance to really cash in. So oh, I if would, I'm Aaron Judge, yeah, I, I, I want the long-term deal for sure. I think but. this is going to be seven, eight, or nine years. I think that's what it's ultimately going to come to, and I would be terrified to be on the other end of it. I th- yeah. But I think oh, that's yeah. what it's going to cost. Yeah, uh, Absolutely, and... There's going to be somebody out there that's going to do it. Of course. Uh, I think the Yankees are going to lay it all out in the line to uh, to make it happen. As they Obvi- should. Obviously, it doesn't sound I don't know too if that's promising, true. but I think... I don't uh, know if that's true. Well, You don't right? think the Yankees have to do that? I, I'm saying this generation of Steinbrenner is not throwing around money like the old man did. That, I, I, that's just what we've noticed. I, I did read an article this morning. It said that when they met with him recently... They said it was a very good conversation and that they were willing to spend. They obviously have an idea. They're not going to go past 400 yeah. million. Yeah. But they're they're willing to to fork it up. See, yeah. I think that's the difference. Like George Steinbrenner said one day, "I want Reggie Jackson." And he got Reggie Jackson. And I don't think that his boys operate that way. I think they have money to spend. It is the Yankees after all, but they just don't seem to throw it around in this arms race type style just to sort of beat your chest and say I'm the biggest man in the room. And and that, see that's my thing is um they say everyone's saying that Aaron Judge says says he wants to be a Yankee and he wants to stay. Who says that? I, just reports. Really? Everyone say, everyone is making it seem like he is wanting to, but in yes. reality, it doesn't seem like it. I don't it doesn't think so. seem I feel like, like he's he wants made, to. Made plenty but, uh, of comments. That I think it's coming out of the Yankees the camp. I think it's coming out of the Yankees camp where they're where they're being very optimistic about it. And yeah, yeah. It just doesn't seem like he actually wants to wants to stay. But well, let's let's review his short career. And believe it or not, it is a short career. Remember, you know, when he was Rookie of the Year in 2017, you know, he set the record: 52 home runs. He walked 127 times as a rookie. I mean, you love these things, but he was. He was 25 years old as a rookie. He was not one of these phenoms who came up when he was 20 or 21. He had some development in college in the minors. So by the time he hits free agency, like we said, he's going to be 31. He's not going to be signing these contracts when he's 27, 28, or 29. And recent history for hitters in their mid to late 30s in a post-steroids era, it's not kind. So again, I would be perfectly fine saying, I'll give you five years. I'll give you $200 million, $40 million per but seven, eight, or nine years, if I'm an owner, I'm it's walking away long. from the table. It's too long. It's too long. I think. But, I but think what is it worth to, to win a championship, though? Well, I, I don't think he's going to bust. I don't think he's going to bust, he's he's, bust either. Yeah, but the Texas Rangers gave a quarter of a billion dollars to Alex Rodriguez. He won two MVPs, and they went nowhere before yeah. they traded him. It doesn't take one person. That's true. To win Corey, it. I don't Corey think Seager. It, I, I don't think, think Corey he, Seager de- deserved the contract he did. And look where they went. 
That's what I'm saying. But Aaron Judge is a whole different ball game. I think there's very few Aaron, guys that you you go all in on, and he's one of them. Aaron Judge is very good, but what did the Yankees do this year that made him so likable as far from a team aspect? If that's what you're saying, and do we need to revisit how he did in the postseason? By the way, yeah, where he had a hard time making contact. What's up, Zach? What's up? What's up? Sorry, not a plus defender at a premium position. He he holds his own in the outfield. Quality outfielder. He's got a good arm. Quality outfielder, but he's not a catcher. He's not a shortstop. He's not a starting pitcher. So what about so Mookie's deal? Twelve twelve years, three hundred sixty five. Deserved it. How how old was he when he made the deal? Trust me, I've got the list here. Don't worry. I've got a list in front of me of the 25 biggest contracts in Major League Baseball history. Very interesting names on the list. Mookie Betts is number two. 12 years, 365. But he signed the deal when he was 27. That is four years younger than Judge will be. Plus, he is an automatic gold glover in the outfield. Plus, he's a, a, a base runner that can wreak havoc out there. He's more of a five-tool guy than Aaron Judge is. Nashville native, so we love him. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I, 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 will, I will agree there. I will agree there. All I'm saying is, he's a quality defender. He and the the offensive numbers speak for themselves. I think you his one season of offensive numbers. Do I, speak obviously, for yes. If I'm Aaron Judge, I want the longest deal I can get for the most money. I want to max it out. If I'm a team owner, I think I still take that risk. I don't know if it's a ten year deal but at least seven or eight to, to lock him in. And okay. I, I think I think through that time, you're going to get very good production out of that. And if he goes to the right team, there, there's a championship waiting out there. Yeah. Let me, let me make a good comp here on this list. Number 13, number 13 on this list, pardon me. When he signed this contract, which was eight years and $248 million, he was 30 years old. And he had accomplished, as, at least individually, two or three times what Aaron Judge had. Miguel Cabrera, Detroit Tigers. Yeah. Eight years, $248 million. He was 30 when he signed it. He's still playing. He's still on the books for $31 million next year. And he has been cashing checks on the 1st and 15th for how many years now where he has not been worth near that? How many games he, does he play in a season? Does he play a full season? He yeah. plays enough is, to get yeah. paid. He has no Does power he? anymore. Well, yeah. He's I mean. in the lineup largely ceremoniously. Um, he is an albatross defensively. He's largely a DH. He can't run a lick. Um, sure, he'll. I mean, he, he, he can. In on him. He's still capable of a very light 300. Yeah. But there's, uh, we're, we're just stating facts here. Oh, I know. I think it's a pretty good comp. I think it's a yeah. pretty good comp for where Aaron Judge is in his career, but the second half, at least the second half of this Cabrera contract has been part of the reasons why the Tigers have been weighed down because he's been an albatross. If you show me Aaron Judge in eight years and he looks like Miguel Cabrera, I'm going to be very disappointed, and I don't believe that will I'll ever happen. I'll be very happen. disappointed in his trainer as well. Yeah, I don't believe that will ever happen. I think Aaron Judge is smart enough to stay in shape and – continue to improve his game even with the the long contract so correct i don't i don't i don't agree with that physical aspect in that comparison but as far as the it's same with albert pujols i mean that but dude what is he? he signed what? that deal and went and said no, i'm done working but what he's six seven two sixty five big body things can go wrong he's been a little brittle in the past he's had some injury issues 
How about Robinson Cano? 10 years, $240 million, signed it when he was 31. It's not apples to apples, but how quickly into that deal was it a complete disaster? That's why I'm on the I'm on the owner's side here. I, I I agree with you guys. I don't want to sign him to a long long term deal if I'm if I'm the owner. But I'm gotta. But think that's what it's probably gonna take in order to get him. I, um, the the I, way I the agree. game is played now, you need to sign him for eight years and hope you get four good ones. Yep. And you can write off the last four or try to dump them on somebody else. I, Unfortunately, I think, that's how I mean. I, you, I feel like you just gotta sweeten the deal of World Series caliber team. Yeah. Like you were saying. Yeah. If you're gonna sign him, you have to say we're gonna win this within three years. You you have to already be looking good in that pro in, in, in that area. So a hundred percent. So. Dodgers? I don't know. You're losing Turner. Both Turners. I can't believe they're just going to let Trey Turner walk. They seem to have no interest in bringing him back. He's incredible. Yeah. Uh, Bellinger. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about Bellinger. It's crazy. I saw a stat on Bellinger. Justin Turner be gone, too. I mean, there's a lot of money freed up, and they have more money than Zeus. Yeah. I saw a stat on Bellinger that after his MVP season, he's – batting like 208 in the past three years with less home runs than he hit in that MVP season. Sounds about right. It's crazy. Jeez. Let's look at some of the other. This, this list is fascinating. This really is fascinating. Let's look at some more. Your boy, number one on the list. Mike Trout, 12 years, $426.5 million. But again, in the Angels' defense, he was 27 when he signed it. He plays a main gold club caliber center fielder. Back then, he still stole bases. I know he yeah. doesn't run anymore, yeah. but he was a legit five-tool guy. Already had three MVPs. Already had three MVPs, had accomplished twice what Judge had accomplished at that point. Here's some other names on the list. Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah. 14 yeah. years, $340 million. How quick? Did they already regret that deal? Yes. Injuries combined with PED suspension? He signed that when he was 22. It like he, he, lost, just, he lost that locker room, cream. too. It was just a hair cream, okay? Mm-hmm. Buddy, gosh. I don't know. I think he, I think he, <laughs> lost, I think he lost that clubhouse, too. And that's, I that, think you're right. That plays a factor. I, it, let's just – is it the curse of, a big co- of big contracts that just – How it, do we feel about Bryce Harper? I think that worked out. 13 that years, $330 million. He got him an MVP. Yeah. He dragged him to the World Series yeah. this year. But – He's now legit below average in the outfield. Now he's got the UCL injury. He's not. He's basically a DH now. Yeah. And he signed the contract at 26. Don't count him. Basically out. Was this, five years younger. Was this don't, kind of the stint? Was out. this what they needed? They needed to win the World Series this year, and now they they did 100. percent I believe that. But they got they got there. Yeah. Everything they did worked. How about uh, Judge's soon to be former teammate? Giancarlo Stanton, oh, geez. 13 years, $325 million. He signed it when he was 25. <laughs> He's already not worth it. He's half, that oh, contract goes, yeah, that contract goes yeah. to 2027. Yeah. Are you saying Mike Trout's deal did not work out? What? Is that what, what you were I say saying? That? No. You, well, you were saying the curse of the long contract. So I was, I was making well, sure you I weren't mean, putting Mike Trout into that, into that category. I, I wouldn't necessarily put him into that category, but let's just call a spade a spade. He's been hurt for the past four years i agree he hasn't played more than 100 games in the past oh that's that's, i'm just i still think he's a very good ball player when he is on the field but as far i'm i'm kind of taking curses into injuries and you think the angels regret that no no i don't think i don't think so either i'm just making sure that i mean the biggest regret is albert pujols and it will be for the next absolutely how about alex rodriguez on this list twice 
I love it. Tenth. He deserved Ten years, 275 million with the Yankees. And the Rangers, 12th, 252 years. The first truly gargantuan quarter of a billion dollar contract. He He was was 25. He won two MVPs immediately with the Rangers, but they shipped them off because they couldn't win with them. And then when he signed the second, when he opted out and signed the second 10-year deal with the Yankees, I mean, sure, he got then an MVP and won a World Series, but how much of that contract would he really live up to it? I mean, he missed a year with suspension. He was un- borderline unplayable in the playoffs a couple times, and he's the highest-paid guy in the league. Yeah, I think uh, if he doesn't get suspended and doesn't go through all that, he's he's still he's very much worth it. Uh, yeah, uh, huge huge A-Rod. I wonder, I wonder if Pope isn't Catholic. I wonder if the listeners can A-Rod. tell that Zach likes the Yankees. I don't know. I'm just I'm just kind of shooting a shot hey, here. If you can't respect A-Rod's game, I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Albert Pujols, 10 years, $240 million, 31 years old. How quickly into that deal were we having an oh-you-know-what moment? <laughs> yeah. uh, well, the first year, I think he hit 260. He was good. 260, was good. 270 Productive. in the first year. But he was no longer Ted Williams. Of course, No, no. I mean, first year. His first was, 10 years in St. Louis, he was essentially a right-handed yeah. Ted Williams. Yeah, I mean, it was scary the first year. But the second year, I think that's when he went down to like 210. And then it was just slowly working down it was it was bad it was embarrassing i'm not happy about it and that's just that's just it but we've gotten off the topic of judge yeah and 48 vote mvp judge rightfully so rightfully so what are his pitching stats though let's not I, do that I, I didn't i didn't say that all i'm saying i i'm Save not that for another show yeah. I, <laughs> mm. all right so if you're you're a gm what are you doing I would give Judge. I would like you, like we were talking about. I'd have to be knocking knowing, at the yeah, door of a World you Series, have, knowing what you have to do to get him. I probably go five years, something like two hundred million, like John said. It would be something along those lines. I don't know if it would work out, but that's what I would offer him because I don't want to do that long contract where. The last four or five years of your contract are a complete bust, and we're just you're just collecting a paycheck. That's that's my only tactic as well as I'm an owner. I would say, look, it's still I'll, forty I'll, million a year. I'll give you four years. I will blow you away with AAV. Yeah. Maybe we'll give them forty five million a year. Holy, I'll give yeah, you one hundred and eighty yeah, million dollars for four so years. And if you're yeah. that stinking good, guess what? Yeah, you'll sign another big deal in four years. Sure. sure. Uh, yep. I would try to blow him away with the average annual value you, you have for to, a yeah. short contract. Yeah. But if his agent says, nope, seven years minimum, I'm out. I'd rather have three $100 million guys than him. Yep. I would definitely have to make sure my team is in a, a good position to uh, achieve in the postseason. And uh, I'd have to make him the highest paid player annually. Um, granted, after one season, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I, I think. Season. I, again, it, hey, again. Okay. Trout had a I, lot of good yeah. seasons, and so that's what I'm saying. I don't. Do I think he's going to fight for the triple crown every year? Probably not. That was an incredible season he had this year. Do I think he can piggyback off of it? Absolutely. Well, let's say he. Uh, real quick, let's say he goes to the Giants. How many home runs does he hit that not at Yankee Stadium? I think he had almost more home runs. He than, had 32 on the road and 30 at home. I looked at his spray chart. Yep. And I think he had 14 to the opposite field. Not a lot of wall scrapers, but the occasional. I'm just saying. I mean, it, it begs the question, right? I'm not saying he can't get 40, but he's pr- he's not going to get 
close to 60, 62 again, I can't imagine. So I think he's going to be productive in a very impactful way. Okay, cool. I, I agree with you. I think he's a very yep. good player. Don't give him more than five years. Well, luckily, it's not our money. But exactly. Somebody's <laughs> that is spend. true. That is true. <laughs> okay, it's time to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to be joined by Baltimore Orioles third base coach, Tony Manzalino. The Clueless Joe podcast is brought to you by Tanner Tees, the best batting tees for your baseball or softball player. Made with premium, durable materials and assembled in Sarasota, Florida. Invented by Joe Tanner in 1988 and perfected over 30 years, every Tanner tee represents the very best in the business. Here at DBAT Nashville, we feature the heavy model in all of our cages and also sell them in our pro shop. It's a tough, professional quality weighted batting tee with a flexible, hand-rolled rubber cone that's perfect for baseball, fast pitch, and slow pitch. This heavy-duty batting tee is designed with a 10-pound, claw-style base for extra stability on any hitting surface. Sturdy enough to stay upright through the occasional mishit. To learn more, go to TannerTees.com or visit your local D-Bat. Okay, we are pleased to be joined by Tony Manzalino. He was born in Newport Beach, California. Played college baseball here in Nashville at Vanderbilt, the start of the Tim Corbin area. He's representing the Vandy Boys right now, as a matter of fact. Drafted in round 26 by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Played some minor league ball, played some independent league ball, and he's been a minor league hitting coach, a minor league manager in the Cleveland Indians organization under Terry Francona for the most part. Now, third base coach for the Baltimore Orioles and manager Brandon Hyde. So, Tony, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, man. Pump. Welcome. Um, Excited to be here. Great. Um, You spent a lot of time in the minor leagues at a lot of levels. Um, It's a lot of bus rides back and forth with a lot of bad hotel rooms. And we (laughs) we hear so much about the grind of the minor league baseball player. But I'm curious, especially someone like you and your family background, the grind of a minor league coach and what that is like over the years. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely better than being a player, no doubt. (laughs) Um, I don't know how much better, but, you know, it's. I, you know, and what I would say is this: I, I think nowadays, you know, where we're kind of at in today's time, and even pre, um, pre minor league new agreement, where now they pay for housing, yeah, and game changer, more of a, a hotel standard. It has definitely been better, probably, you know, in the, in the last ten years than probably the the '80s and the '90s. I think a lot of the stories that we hear in terms of how the players were treated, and you know, things being bad and rough. You know, I think a lot of that comes from the guys from that era. Right. Um, the PB&Js and the clubhouses yeah, and all that stuff. You know, and, and I would say my, my first year, you know, I got drafted in, in 2005. Um, I was in the Complex League, GCL, which is tough to go from Vanderbilt to, you know, rookie ball where everybody's <laughs> 16 to 19 years old and they don't necessarily speak the same language that, that you do. Um, and then at the end of the year, I went up to uh, Lil Way in Hickory, North Carolina, Um and at that at that stage, there's no food in the clubhouse. You know, and the clubhouses were bad, and the clubby had one eye. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> and a peg leg. Yeah, you know. So, <laughs> and you weren't sure if your if your laundry is going to be dry or wet the next day, or if it, even if it was going to get done. You know, I, but I think quickly after that, you know, I, I I think back like 2008, and there was food in the clubhouse. There's post game meals. There's pre game meals. It started getting a lot better. You know, you were staying at Holiday Inn Expresses. You know, as opposed to the Bates Inn. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it did get better. Um, it, it certainly isn't the big leagues. I, I can tell you that. And, and even at AAA, the AAA levels really get in terms of how they treat you with all that stuff. But, you know, it's probably not as bad as, as it was once made out to be. 
Now, I know it's very rare for a major league manager to have also been like an all-star caliber player sure. once upon a time. A guy like Tom, uh, Don Mattingly, he's, a, he's the exception. He's not the rule. Um, Brandon Hyde, who you're working with now, he's a career 200, 256 hitter in the minors. And, you know, I think he played like 200 minor league games and he scratched the surface of AAA, but definitely not a major leaguer. So, but what do you think is the ideal DNA for a manager since the all-stars, the Hall of Famer types, again, Joe Torre, exception, not the norm. Uh, what does it take to truly excel in that job, minor league level or even major league level? I think the most important trait to excel in that job is the ability to relate to everybody in the building. Um, guys, for if you're a guy that can relate to everybody in the building, you're also a guy that, that was a major league ultra that played 20 years, you're going to be the best guy. Mm -hmm. Because when you walk in the door and you are a Hall of Fame caliber player or an all-star caliber player, you are going to have the respect of the room. And if you can relate to everybody and understand everybody and communicate with everybody, you're going to keep that respect over time. Um, the guy that can relate to everybody is the guy that generally struggled, um, the guy that needed other people, needed help, um, the guy that went out of his way to seek that help and to seek that communication. I think if you're going to be successful in that job, you have to have the ability to have something going with every person in that clubhouse, in the front office, in the minor leagues, in the organization. Generally, guys that never needed any help, guys that never struggled, um, guys that were just so good so naturally, people came to them, so it's hard for them to go to other people. Now, there are guys that can do that. There certainly are great ex-players that are great managers um, or great leaders. But that's definitely probably, it's definitely not the norm. You mentioned language in a previous answer. I mean, these days, I don't know how great your Spanish is, but multilingual, is that borderline a job necessity? Yeah, I think it's really important. Um, I, when I was in the minor leagues as a coach, I went through a, a year-long process doing Rosetta Stone. Um, it was probably five to six days a week for about an hour each morning. After that, I took lessons here in town with a great company called... Uh, I think it was called Spanish with Emily D here in town. Okay. Used to meet him over at the shout uh, out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at, at the Whole Foods over there in Hillsborough Village. Or not Hillsborough Village. Okay. <laughs> Green uh, Hills. But, but yeah, Green Hills yeah. Village over there. Um, but yeah, I think it's important. You know, what ends up happening though is you climb the ladders, you move up, more of the players speak English. Hmm. So, you know, my Spanish was probably really good in, in 2017 relative to right now. I think my last few years have worked upper levels. Um, and those kids, they go through a lot of English lessons by the time they get to double A, triple A. For the most part, they speak pretty good English. Um, and if not, there are translators now and, and people that help to make sure the communication is as good as it can be. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a really important trait to have. Yeah, I bet that goes a long way with uh, the players if they're, sure. if they're managers. and It's incredibly coaches. difficult for an American coach to get the trust of a, of a Latin player. Yeah. Immediately when they come over here, they think that we are – that we have our, our vested interest is more so in the American players than them. It sure. is very important that we spend as much time or even more with them so they understand that you know we care about them as much as we do any other player. Now, Absolutely. I'm fascinated to ask you some of these questions about your duties as the third base coach, not just as a coach in the majors, but as a third base coach specifically. And we all know that analytics have truly taken over baseball and I'm curious how much that's filtered down to your job in the heat of the moment as a third base coach. So how much data is actually involved in what you do in the heat of the moment? Or is it as simple as Cedric Mullins is on second base. He can fly. This right fielder has a noodle of an arm. I'm sending him no matter what. You know, where exactly does it work? It's both. 
So I, I actually have a chart. Um, our one of our, our leaders in our organization is a guy named Sig Meidel. Sig was the architect behind Houston in terms of their draft and their player acquisition models. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sig left Houston. He let his contract expire a few years ago and came over to Baltimore, and he's doing the same thing for us. Sig has a, 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 a massive interest in the game of baseball, how the game's played, uh, much more outside of uh, inputting data and acquiring players. Sig has helped me a lot here in the last couple of years in terms of giving me a model that says, hey, when we're up by you know, three runs, this is how much risk you, you should take on. He puts a, a number to it. Okay. Wow. That on top of, he's also created a model where it shows where the runner's at and where the ball is at. And it'll tell you based on stat cast, based off runner speed, um, distance from the plate, uh, strength of the arm, this is the likelihood of him going to be safe or out, whether you hold him or whether you send him, if it's a good throw. So I have all that. And he's kind of married it to where um, one recommends the other, I guess. Uh, and they, they're, they're correlated. You have that. And then I also have a old third base coach in, on our bench named Freddie Gonzalez, who did it in Atlanta and for a long time, sure. obviously managed. Yep. He's no Miami. Mm-hmm. Yep. So And he's an incredible resource as well. And there, there's a more of a traditional way of saying, hey, with no outs, don't be very aggressive. With two outs, be really aggressive. And with one out, that's where you're going to judge your third base coach. Um, when you're chasing four, don't get him thrown out. When you're up by four, go for it. So you have all that kind of in your head. Um, and I think when you look at the, the, the analytical approach and more the traditional approach, you find some common ground and you use all that and you make the best decision you can. And you know, you send the guy, you stop the guy, and you hope it works out. <laughs> now, I don't know how many times this happened to you this season, but I'm sure you've had a guy thrown out of home with yeah. you waving him. So what is that walk back to the dugout like, especially if it's the third dive in the inning? I mean, do you get a dirty look from the manager? Do you get a hard time from the coaches? Is it, hey, no big deal, go get him next time? What's that transaction like? You know, I, I think, one, I, I think having Brandon Hyde, and he's very supportive in so many ways, and he understands how difficult that job is. It was great. Freddie as well. Uh, Freddie doing it as long as he did, great. My dad did it for a long time in the major league. So, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, one of the things that he told me is when you do get a guy thrown out, and he, he always tells me, you should. tells me if you don't get guys thrown out, then a lot, you're not getting a lot of guys safe yeah. on the other yeah. end. You're holding up too many guys. You're not being aggressive. Um, but one of the things that he told me when I took the job was, man, when you get somebody thrown out – do not go looking for sympathy. Put your head down and go right back to the dugout and do the job that you're supposed to do in terms of whatever you have. For me, it's positioning infielders at that point. We're dealing with that side of the game. But um, no, I mean, I, you know, I, I, you hope that when you make your mistake, it's the right mistake. You hope that you make it at the right time. If you don't make it at the right time, you just have to understand how difficult the job is. I, I actually right. did one at the end of last year. We were up by a few runs, and it was a – it was Cedric Mullins hit a ball, doubles, a double down the right field line. Forgot who the outfitter was. Might have been Cal Tuck where we were. We were playing Houston. Oh, um, Glover. Yeah, comes up, throws the ball wide uh, to second base from, from the right field line, and it gets away, and it's running away from him. So Cedric's coming to third, and at Camden Yards, there's a little cutout um, behind third base, and as the ball went behind that little cutout, I thought it was going to hit the wall and stay. And if it stays behind that cutout, which is what I was anticipating, then there's no way that the outfitter can pick up and throw the ball from where he's at. He's got to actually come out from behind the wall and throw it, which means Cedric would be safe. Well, it didn't stay behind the wall. It hit the pad as it, you know, 
hindsight being 2020, it probably yeah. should have hit the pad and popped out. Yeah. And next, you know, Cedric's thrown out by, by three steps. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's one of the ones where you walk back to right. that guy and you do want some sympathy, but you know, I used my dad's uh, advice and I certainly didn't go look for it. I just put my head down and got ready to get the guys in the right spots. Yeah. But your, your skipper can be a heated guy. Yeah. Um, you ever get the cursory F bomb or anything like that? <laughs> you know what? I have not. I'm sure, nice. you know, if I'm fortunate <laughs> to do it, you know, a lot longer, I'm sure at some point I'll get one, but you know, by and large, you know, he, he understands how difficult this is. And I, it probably goes back to the original part of this conversation about, you know, having a guy that wasn't the greatest player Legia. I, I think it gives him understanding to the struggle of the game and, you know, playing and coaching as well. Another line of questioning, I'm, I'm fascinated to get started with you, but I, I played a lot of third base in my life, and one of the things I used to love to do was to try to steal the signs from the opposing third base coach. And if you think back to high school, you know, the, the hat is the indicator 50% of the time, and the belt is the bunt 50% of the time. So <laughs> at the major league level, I would love to get a primer on what it's like to give signs to major league hitters. And how often do you have to change the indicator? Do you have different signs for different players? When Jorge Mateo steals second base, how often are you giving him the sign to do so? Or is he just going because he has the green light? You just work us through that, please. It's all the above. I, you know, I think what ends up happening is, is you want it to be as simple as you can, but it can't be so simple that everybody knows it, especially when you're playing in the AL East. The AL East is notorious for stealing signs. Uh, they have, there's some veterans players in that division that are unbelievable at picking up everything, coaches as well. So... You have to get it to the point um, to where it's hard to steal them, but not so hard that your players don't understand them. Yeah. I mean, the game's moving fast. There's a lot of pressure. The last thing you need is a, is a multiple indicators and a wipe-off and, and all the different things that you can do that you actually probably see more so in the college game mm -hmm. than you see in the major league game. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it, it can get elaborate at times, but it, it's done in a simple way. A good story about stealing signs in third base, um, Rafael Devers, who might be one of my favorite players down there at third base to talk to. Sure. Nice. Um, and, and I say that because he loves baseball. You, you watch him every day and you, and you kind of watch him. And, it, and Boston's tough. You know, the pressure there and, and how they treat players sometimes that aren't hitting 400, you know, throughout the season. But he loves to play every day. But you know, he always watches me. He's standing there and I'll give signs. And – uh he watches me. He's like, hey, is he stealing? Is he stealing? Is he bunning? Is he doing this? Is he doing that? And he, he'll watch me. And one day I told him, I was like, I was like, Dev, I was like, you don't even know your signs, man. Why are you, why are you looking at mine? He just started cackling, and that was about the end of it. That's good. So these days, I mean, there's not as much bunting as it used to be. There's not as much stealing as there used to be. But, but even, you know, a hit and run. I mean, uh, how often are these things truly put on from your manager? And or do you just really sort of have to pick your spots in a big moment? Or is it not unusual to get maybe a hit and run in the second inning, first game of the series? You know, it's funny. I think the hit and run's coming back a little bit. And I think we're going to see a lot more of it too next year with the shift rules yeah. changing. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. Bigger yeah, holes. I, we saw a lot of it this year. I, I, I loved it. You know, in the minor leagues, it was funny. When I was managing the minor leagues, you know, I, what, what's happened, part of the reason why it's gone is a lot of players can't do it because the swing planes are so – up now yeah. so you put on a hit and run and, and the old school way of doing a hit and run was to hit the ball on the ground and not so much get a hit and get the guy to third base but just stay out of a double play yeah. mm -hmm. but now guys are swinging up they're popping up they're hitting fly balls it's almost a waste of an at bat um but we saw it a lot more last this last year but in the going back to the minor leagues there's so much emphasis in the minor leagues on developing the player's primary skills which is hitting the ball um throwing the ball catching the ball 
the team part of the minor league game in a lot of ways, and, and it's done wrong when, it, when it's done this way, um, but it's disappeared. You know, yeah. you're, you're encouraged in the minor leagues not to waste the bats on hit runs, on bunts, on things that aren't necessarily, you know, the main things that are going to make them successful in the bit major leagues. So I think what's happened, unfortunately, in the minor leagues is so, so few managers use those things in the minor leagues. When they actually get to the major leagues and a manager wants to use them because they help you win, there's no doubt. Um, they're not able to do them. So when they're not able to do them, the managers in the major leagues go, well, I'm not going to, this kid can't do it. We're not going to teach him here. Right. So it's kind of disappeared. Um, Tito's not really worried about the win-loss record of the Clippers. He's worried about you developing major league players. No, and he and he's he's one of the guys who will encourage you to use the hit and run and and bunt. Um, and we used it in Cleveland when I was over there. I mean, we we, we had a, a old coach, Johnny Gorrell, who's a legend of the game. He's pushing 90 now. Um, but he would do daily phone calls with you after the game and go over all the decisions that you made or you didn't make during the game. And a lot of them was always, why didn't you butt here? Why didn't you hit and run there? Hmm. So that's part of the reason why they are so successful. And if you look at that team there, they're very contact-oriented. Yeah. Well, that's something mm-hmm. that they're doing in the minor leagues there. Um, the, yeah, not the, a lot of strikeouts. Yeah. No, they've been incredible. Yeah. Uh, but, no, Tito is one of the guys that did it. So we did it. I did it probably more so than other guys, but probably not as n- not enough or not as much as I wish I'd have liked seen how the game is now in the major leagues. So how often does a major leaguer miss a sign, and how do you handle that as the third-base coach? It happens. You know, there's no doubt. Um, for me, it's, it's actually something I need to be proactive with. Um, if I am weekly going around to all the players and saying, Hey, let's cover the signs real quick. Or we have daily, you know, advanced scouting meetings to face the pitcher. If I'm getting up and, and I'm reminding the guys constantly and it's, it gets annoying and I, and I hate doing it all the time. But if I am doing that, they don't miss them. If I'm not doing that, if I'm making the assumption that they know the signs, yeah. then it happens. They'll, they'll miss something. And then the, the manager is going to get involved. He's going to get upset. Um, he's going to get upset at the player. But I do think as a third base coach, if you are not, if you are not constantly reminding them of the signs, you know, throughout, throughout the month, you know, once a week, however it is, then it probably is your fault in some ways to a certain degree. Um, if you are reminding them and they miss them, then it's on them. How, how often are you grabbing these guys as they're up at the plate? Like surely they're not all doing the, the little league one foot out, looking down at the, at the, at you every, every pitch. Yeah. That, that part gets tough. Yeah. Um, cause, and we talk to them all the time. Hey, make sure you're looking down what you don't want to have to do in a big moment is start screaming. Hey, right. Yeah. Cause then obviously it's gotta have on, some feel but, I'm sure about on yeah, the player right. side. To... But they get the, the guys that have played a few years in the major leagues. One thing that I've noticed and, and doing this now for a few years is they know when something might be on, when a hit run might be on, um, or some type of bunt might be on, or we might give the still sign from the dugout as opposed to it being a green light, which does happen a lot too. Um, but they get a feel for when things are on, and they will always look when there's a chance. Those guys also, when they know there's nothing on, a lot of times they'll kind of give you a quick peek, and you're going through signs, and nobody's looking at you. And you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Yeah. But you you do that knowing that when the time when they need to look, they'll look. Right. And that's okay. So you are a true baseball lifer. You know, you referenced your father earlier, Doug Manzalino. He was a coach for, let me, it's a list here. Uh, Chicago White Sox, Milwaukee Brewers, Detroit Tigers, Houston Astros, I think most recently Atlanta Braves. Um, You literally grew up in major league clubhouses. We hear about those guys every now and then. So I'd be very curious about maybe a friendship you had with a player as a kid, or maybe there was, 
you know, maybe there's a name that we recognize as somebody who was just who was just cool to you and took care of you and maybe gave you an autograph or gave you a tip or uh, gave you a Christmas present or just I, I'd love to hear a story like that because you hear that about those kids who had that opportunity, uh, like a Prince Fielder who just sure. grew up around Major League Baseball. Well, I think probably the my, my best memories come back from my dad was with the White Sox um, as kids. As a South family. side. Yeah. Yeah. We were there. We would go out as soon as school got out. We were in uh, uh, Central California, Clovis, Fresno. As soon as school got out, probably at the end of May, uh, we jump on a plane and go live in Chicago for the summer. Um, they're incredible memories. Once we got to a certain age and I was playing baseball, then we wouldn't go out because, you know, you needed to play at that point. But, um, you know, I remember those were those were the years of Bo Jackson, of Frank Thomas. I remember being a kid and when Frank was actually in the minor leagues, my dad was the info coordinator um, and they would have him follow him around, obviously, because that was going to be the 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 big bat, you mm-hmm. know, future yep. Hall of Famer, I guess, for the organization. Um, but Frank used to bring me candy all the time. You know, I would have a locker next to my dad's, and Frank, you know, for whatever reason, man, he'd go to the, the, the convenience store in the morning, and, I mean, almost daily, and would drop off a bag of candy in, in my locker, and I would destroy it you know, every <laughs> single day. Awesome. Big hurt. Yeah, he was great. I, you know, Bo Jackson, that was, you know, when he was there, and, you know, I remember um, – we used to, I used to run around with Tim Raines, Ozzie Gein's kids, uh, Hawk Harrelson's son. We used to run around oh, the, the clubhouse. Yeah, I went to college with Hawk Harrelson's daughter, Krista. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Yes. But we used, to, we used to hang out, and Bo was always in there. And, and I, I don't remember um, – I don't remember if he – he might have been inactive, but he used to play cards with us. We used to play poker with him during the games, um, you know, during that time uh, in the plugouts with, with the kids just for fun. You know, but, you know, stuff like that was, was super cool. Um, and it's definitely memories that you don't forget. Yeah. So you have boys yourself. Uh, your son Jackson, as a matter of fact, has played on my team here and there. Yep. Heck of a player. He's already a switch hitting infielder and yep. he can mash. And uh, he's getting some similar experiences. I mean, I know he spends yep. a lot of time in Baltimore and uh, he gets a chance to be that kid and have those opportunities. Um, do you have any idea? I mean, he's still eight years old, I believe. Is any of this registering with him, or does he just think this is what his life is and this is how life is? Um, you know, he was around enough in the minor leagues with it, with me and, and, and Lynchburg and some of these places. He has some memories from those places, so I, I think he does understand that it's the major leagues and some of these stadiums and, and fields he's running around on. And you know, when he, he comes to me in the summer, he's now at the age where he can go to the field. Fortunately, Brendan Hyde uh, allows kids, so our kids are there, and you know, he takes BP. I'll, I'll throw down a uh, throw down home plate center field and. Tries to hit home runs over the center field wall, man. We That's do it awesome. all the time. Groundskeeper's great for letting us out there. But yeah, that's nice. really cool. Thanks, Nicole. But um, yeah, it's I, I I hope that he does. You know, I think it. You know, it, it's important for my wife and I, Adrienne and I. Um, you know, we talk about it all the time. They they can't think that this is normal. You know, th- this is not normal. We're very fortunate to be doing it. I don't know how long I'll be doing it. You know, as temperamental as our industry is, could very well be back in the minor leagues tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, it is neat. I, I'm glad I get to share it with him. Uh, I can't wait for him to get a little bit older so, you know, he can go on the planes and he can shag BP and, and really, really kind of immerse himself in it, um, kind of the way that I was able to, you know, when, when I was that age. That'd be amazing. Yeah. You and I have known each other for a while, and I know that you have spoken to me and told me that, I mean, let's be real. I mean, the goal for you is to maybe be a major league manager one day. And I think that's in the cards. I mean, I'm sure you think that's in the cards, but considering your family background, just what would that mean to you? 
it'd be a big deal. You know, I, I think if that if that day ever comes, you know, I, I think as much as anything, it would be a product of, you know, my dad. It'd be a product of my grandfather. It'd be a product of Tim Corbin here in town and, and being around him and the Cleveland Indians and all the people that I've kind of, you know, been fortunate enough to be around in the game. You've had some pretty amazing mentors along the way. You really have. Yeah, I've been very lucky. I've been in, yeah. I've been in the right places at the right times mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. But um, Just like you are now. Yeah, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's play nine innings. Uh, we like to do this with all of our guests. Nine questions. They're identical. The answers are obviously very different. Um, let's just have a little fun here. Favorite team as a kid? Loaded question for you, considering your old man was in the business. The White Sox. Beautiful. Oh. That's the correct answer. Gosh, that was a setup Much question. Much of these guys. That was, that was I an think absolute you that setup one. question. Favorite player as a kid? It's got to be Frank Thomas. The big hurt. This was not scripted, boys. I promise. It's not scripted. <laughs> I was always a Ventura guy because I yeah. played third, but yeah, the big hurt was the man. Favorite baseball movie? Very important question. Oh, man, that's a good one. It's got to be Major League. Mm-hmm. First Solid. One. Yeah, yeah. That's actually a good question for the third base coach. So uh, the game-winning play, the run and bunt with Willie Mays Hayes from second base and yeah. Jake Taylor dropping it down, just how unrealistic <laughs> is that play to win a ball game? <laughs> you know, well, it's funny. So I don't know how realistic that one is. I know Corbin has a play like that. I bet he does. Oh. He's got a play very similar. Um, Giving away you know, the playbook. Our, our, our version is the shift, right? So like one sure. of the things we talk about a lot is when they're in the shift, which is going away, but, you know, with runner on second, good runner, two outs, guys in the shift, you're almost, almost an automatic wave if he's moving to his right every single time because he's going to move to his right and he's going to throw it to first. Mm-hmm. And at that point, even if you got it like an Abreu or, or a uh, Santana or some of these great throwing first basemen, even if they're over there, they're not going to be able to throw them out at the plate. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. What's the best sound at the ballpark? The best sound? The best sound. Ooh, it's got to be the victory song after the game. What's that? That was a good one. I don't know which one it is. I know I've heard it in some of the other places. But <laughs> usually we're so excited that we won, man. <laughs> Just don't say go Cubs, go. That song makes yeah, my blood like Killing me. The best smell at the ballpark. It's got to be the food, right? The hot dogs and the cotton candy and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I, you know, traveling around as a kid, um, like when we go to, Comiskey or U.S. Cellular, whatever, whatever it's now. called now. Yeah. But when we go there, it smells the same from when I was a kid. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable. Wow. As we, we were in uh, Detroit, I remember spending time amazing in Detroit food with my at dad. that park. Same thing. You smell. It's the same smells. You know, in the stadium, underneath the stadium, it's so strange. Mm-hmm. So if you were playing a ball game tonight, you're hitting the two hole. You're playing second base. What's your walk up song? Oh man. Um, this is always a stumper. <laughs> this is tough. I, you know, I, I, I would go back. Whatever I had in college, I would probably use that one. Mm-hmm. I, I forget what it was. I think it was, I had, it was something that was kind of, gosh, what was it? Maybe Mr. Jones by Counting Crows way back okay. then. It was, kind right. of, it was kind of calm. I was a player that needed to be calm. Yeah. I was wound way too tight. So yeah. anything that made me calm was good. I, I didn't need something that was going to fire me up or engage me any more than I already was. That's why okay. I had careless whisper in college. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Careless whisper. All right. I don't care if it's little league. I don't care if it's triple a something in between. Tell me about a game where you were the hero. Where I was the hero. Um, holy cow. I'm trying to think here. He's um, gone through so many. That's no, probably what there's it is, just right? not a lot. I wasn't a very good player. <laughs> um, Coach Corbin would say differently. 
Yeah, I don't know. I you know what? I I remember we were playing Alabama. It was my last year there at Vanderbilt, and I I I, I the reliever was a I forgot who it was, but I didn't pitch in the major leagues for for quite a bit, and um, it was a uh, it was like it was late in the game, but the guy completely blew me up. You know, just beat me hard in with the fastball. Mm-hmm. But somehow that thing stayed fair going down the first baseline, and it hooked right inside, and we scored, and, and we went up winning. I think it ended up being the go-ahead run. I didn't – it wasn't a big hit, but I, I just remember going up to the plate, you know, and I remember looking at their coach who actually talked to me the next day about this. I forgot his name. Um, he ended up being the head coach, I think, at Wichita State after that. But um, I, I looked at him, and I kind of – I remember – like he looked at me and he kind of gave me a weird look and I gave him a weird look and he told me the next day that he knew I was going to win the game right there. And I felt that way for whatever reason that moment. I don't think I had that moment very often. Um, the game was really hard for me uh, to play. But yeah, that was probably one of the things that, that I remember the most for myself. Okay. Flip side of the coin. Tell me about a game you remember where you were the GOAT. You mucked it up. Oh, it's managing, you know, as much as anything. I, I, actually, I'll go to I'll go to a plain one. A famous one here in town was uh, the home run that Worth Scott hit to beat Tennessee in 2003. I know that, Worth. Okay. His boy comes here there all the time. Go. Yeah. So Worth hit this home run. I don't know if you know about this home run, but it's in I don't know this story, but I know Worth. It's Corbin's first year. Okay. Um, so Corbin's first year, We it was 2003. We hadn't been in the SEC tournament, um, I think it was since 1980. So it's this, you know, 20-plus year absence from the SEC tournament. And that's just your league tournament, man. This isn't the NCAA yeah. tournament. Mm-hmm. That's one um, of the amazing things about what Coach Corbin has done is that Vandy had zero base re- baseball reputation before he got it's there. It's unbelievable. Zero. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But so I think we were, we were traveling with like 23 guys that year. We couldn't even fill out a 25-man roster. Mm-hmm. It was wild. So we had to beat Tennessee, which makes me think about this football game this weekend uh, here in town. But we yeah. had to beat Tennessee – we had to sweep them. We had some other things that got to happen. Tennessee was good. You had Luke Hochaver there um, oh, wow. that year, and being the first pick of the draft, I believe, a couple of years or the next year, the years later. Um, but this, you know, this is all going on, and we ended up winning the first two nights. Um, later, so that Sunday, that Sunday game, I made an error at third base uh, that would have cost us the game, where I probably it wouldn't have been a good situation for me. <laughs> I don't know if I would recover from that, but I made it, it in that a lot of what was a go-ahead run at the time, probably the sixth or seventh inning. But uh, Hochaver came later in the game, two outs. Corbin, and when you talk to him, he can tell you the whole story. But Worth Scott hits his home run. Uh, Corbin was going to pinch hit for him. I don't think there's anybody on the bench to pinch hit for us, so he left him in. Worth hits his home run since it's an SEC tournament, and then off that whole program goes. Wow. Um, Amazing. But, yeah, that would have been bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, last question for you. Um, again, it's a great question for someone like yourself, but if it weren't for the game of baseball, dot, dot, dot. Oh, man, I might be cutting lawns. I don't know. <laughs> I love I love working outside and being outside as much as I can. When I'm home in the offseason, man, I always find something to do outside, but I have no idea. I mean, it, it's the game of baseball is incredible. It's done so much for my, for my father, for my mom, for our whole family. Um, you know, but you, you certainly appreciate it and, and what it brings and, I think as much as anything, I think I think probably what I've gotten out of it is as much as a career and a life and a family and all that is the game of baseball punches you in the teeth every single day, unlike any other sport. Maybe Very the true. only sports more so are, are you know professional boxing and you know wrestling, um, NCAA Olympic type wrestling. 
but it beats you down and you constantly have to pick yourself back up um, and, and go. And there's really no other sport that has as much failure in the game as, as baseball. So I think with baseball, the, the, the main thing that I've gotten out of it is the ability to rebound and the ability to get up and the ability to keep on going. And, you know, when you do get hit in the teeth and you do face some adversity in life, in the game, outside of the game, whatever it is, um, you know, I think the game has equipped me with the skill set to keep on going. Tony, this is a lot of fun for all of us. Thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, man. I enjoy it anytime. Absolutely. Best of luck to the O's this season. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. Thanks. The Clueless Joe podcast is brought to you by Pro9 Sports, committed to providing high-quality, precision baseball and softball products to help players perform their best on the field. A family-owned and operated business since 2001, offering a wide range of products including game and practice balls, protective gear, team and player bags, umpire equipment, and much more. Here at the Nashville location, we use private label DBAT baseballs and softballs produced by Pro9 in our pitching machines and lesson buckets. These balls are durable, long-lasting, and made with quality materials to replicate your game experience. Pro9 equipment is made to precise specifications and designed to provide a better way to play. To learn more, go to Pro9.com or visit your local DBAT. Okay, it's now time for three up and three down. I'm going to ask three questions. Our panel does not know what's coming, so they're forced to answer on the fly. Question number one, aside from being a player, what is the best job in baseball? Ryan, let's start with you this time. Besides being a player, what's the best job in baseball? Yes. Second life, you can come back as this. Job in baseball, but you're not on the field plan. I really like coaching. I mean, with this job, I've really enjoyed getting into coaching and exploring that. I like working with kids and making it making it fun and okay. kind of developing. So youth coach, youth instructor. Or, That's a very noble or, or answer. Or big, or big league coach, big league coach. No? I, I would like to coach probably older. I could see myself as a high school, college coach, youth I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I work with a lot of youth. Don't of get course. me wrong. So I have a good time with that. But ideally, if we're talking in an ideal world, yes, I would like to be more of a high school, college. And yeah, I mean, MLB coach would be right. great. Yeah. It would never happen. But well, we're, we're just talking. Yeah. Um, I'd probably have to go uh, scouting. I think uh, being especially amateur on the you amateur dabbled side. in that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I've had a little. You had bit a buddy of work for the Braves. He's a scout or something, yep, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, my buddy Trey uh, is an area scout in the North Texas area, Oklahoma. Um, but yeah, I've done some associate scouting before. I I think that's a a really interesting part of the game. That's still uh, it's it's trying to get phased out. But um, is associate scout just another way of saying unpaid scout? It is. However, I, I did I did get paid Scout for the, I, I did get paid for this position though, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, but uh, no, I think the idea of being able to travel a bunch of different places and just getting to be around the, the game of baseball every day and um, just seeing a different side of of the game that most people don't. don't now, would think, you think would of? you like to be an area scout or would you like to travel around? I'd like to travel around. I mean. Like out, of, like out of country, travel around, go no, down to okay. I, I, as far as yeah, no. It sounds cool. Pro, it, it sounds cool. Uh, I like to stay in the states and okay. work in the amateur side instead of the okay the professional side. But yeah, that's 
that's where I stand on that. Cool, man. Both very good answers. Unfortunately, you're both wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, I'm very disappointed you did not come up with this answer. Oh, gosh. The best job in baseball, non-player, bullpen catcher. It's not close. Mm, yeah. Bullpen catcher is an amazing yeah, job. That would be great. You yeah. get paid very well. I get those mean do it. You can too. do it in your 40s and 50s. You don't pick up a check for anything. You get large envelope stuff to you for all the pitchers every single season. I've talked to so many people. I mean, I've done a little bit of catching at the college level and other places. It just seems like the life. Yeah. Amazing. You never take your shin guards off. You just hang yeah. out in the bullpen. That's got to be such yeah. an amazing job. Yeah, right, I, changed change? my, I changed mine to BP thrower. Well, I was going to ask, are we allowed to change our answers? Because that sounds great. Since I, I enlightened you to think, what yeah. a good answer is, sure. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so I changed much, mine to John. Thank you. <laughs> no, I like coaching. It was a noble answer, like yes. you said. Yeah. So, Helps with your s- job security as well. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Question That's true. number two. This is a fun one because of what we saw with as Drupal Cabrera oh, this past week. <laughs> Have you ever been involved in a legitimate fight on a baseball field? I've Zach. Been, I've never been in a fight in my life. I'm what you call a pacifist. What, what classifies like a legit fight? Like hands are being thrown. Hands are being sort thrown. Sort of ordeal. I mean. Not, not bullpens run out and we're all just standing there talking sort of thing. A legit fight. Actual fisticuffs. My self, my Adults teams, have to intervene. My teams have. I've been in a couple of them. There's been punches thrown. Have I ever thrown a punch? No. Have I okay. been pulling people off of each other? Yes. So, when and where was this? This was at IVC, my junior college. Um, guy slid into second, spikes up. We had a hot head of a shortstop. Hot head of a shortstop. Loved him though. Love you, Colin. Um, <laughs> and he. Absolutely lost it on this guy for going spikes up, like carved up his leg. It was, yeah, it was pretty, it, it was yeah. pretty dirty. It was pretty dirty. And yeah, it got sort of hairy. I was behind the plate catching, sprinted over there in my gear and had to break it up. It was mainly just the two of them throwing the punches. It didn't turn into other people throwing punches and stuff, but um, yeah, it's kind of fun. It's, 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 it's pretty fun. Yeah. I was involved in one in high school, and uh, it was a rough day for me. It was my junior year. I was not playing well. It was the one time on varsity I got benched. I didn't start a game. I just wasn't playing well. John Thompson, longtime buddy of mine, he was only a freshman. He got to start at third base ahead of me. And let's just say he didn't have a good day. He was not a third base, and he was actually a football player by nature. He went on to play football at Clemson. Amazing football mm. player. But he kicked a couple couldn't make anything happen to the plate. He was not having a good day. And then all of a sudden there was a play at third base. Similarly, guy comes in, spikes up, pretty rough collision. And JT was not having any of that. And he body slammed the kid. Nice. And fists are flying. Both dugouts empty. I hop the fence. I'm in the middle of it. Again, I'm not wildly swinging haymakers kind of like (laughs) you were. I was just, I was there to make sure that I was there. Yeah. But uh, JT got got ejected. I got back into the game and, you know, maintain my position. You were, as you were, the, hold, you were the hold me so, back guy? Yeah, I was sort of the hold, hold me back, back guy <laughs> and also not 100% unhappy that he got ejected because it got me, the rightful third baseman, back in the game. Oh, that was a, he, he was a big, I'm so glad I'm here. I can tell this story. Yeah. Sort of yes, thing. <laughs> yes, of course. 
JT remembers every every piece of it. I promise. That's I don't. Good. I don't think whole thing's on video. It made our highlight reel at the end of the year and everything. Wow. I don't think in my four years of college we even came close to clearing um, clearing benches. I had a little run in in high school travel ball with a coach a couple times. With a coach? Yeah. We uh, we. I could, I couldn't stand the guy. Oh my gosh! You, wait, you played for him? No, he's oh, on the okay. opposite team. Uh, but we we it was another local team. We just played him so many times, and he just ran his mouth constantly. And I just had enough of it. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to argue a call at third, and I'm just may have said a few things that uh, that had him coming out onto the field. And uh, we, obviously, we didn't. It wasn't anything serious, but there was mm-hmm. a couple times that. Our, both of our coaches got into it and nice. it was it got a little chippy but that's really the closest thing i've ever had to to even being physical i don't think i've ever seen anything physical on a baseball that's field. a shame because yeah, it i is, know trust it me it is I know. fascinating yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right question number three best team name in minor league baseball I was inspired Current? by this because of our conversation with Tony Manzalino because he's just one of those dudes. Do we have to have a reason why? No, just who's okay. got a cool name? Because Does I it have to be I, current? Current, former, whatever you like. I'll go. go yeah, you take go this for one. It. Trash Pandas. Oh, man. Everyone loves the Trash Electric. Pandas. Where are they and again? I, they are... Uh, Alabama, I believe. What? Rocket City Trash Pandas. Oh, yeah. Okay. Rocket City. In, in Alabama. Rocket okay. City. Um, Who knows the story of the name? I, I, I honestly I don't. don't. Not a clue in the world. I don't. That's why I asked if we needed a reason why. Because of course not. Okay, it's a great name. It's a great logo too. Of course, uh, I have a couple. I think I'm going to go with the baby cakes in New Orleans that was around a few years ago. Nice. That is a thing there. Yeah, uh, I, I just who love were the they t- affiliated with? Oh gosh, I want to say they were with the Brewers at one point. I mean, minor uh, league teams uh, go yeah. bounce around. They, 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 they bounced yeah, around for a fine. little bit. Great color scheme, great logo. Baby's creepy as all get out, but I love I'm it. I'm gonna have to look them up. Uh, but then one of the it mo- is an awesome logo. one of the more recent yeah. ones that I'm a huge fan of. They're now an independent league team, I believe, but they were uh, low A for the Rockies, I think, or somebody. But the Rocky Mountain vibes with the, the vibes. with the flaming marshmallow uh, s'mores. Mm. Yeah, oh, I remember. I've man. seen that one. That That's is, a good one. That is good. Shout That's out to our guy uh, uh, Dustin. Dusty Baird, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, former Belmont pitcher, former Belmont mm-hmm. Bruin, mm-hmm. and uh, former D-Bat Nashville camp counselor, made, made his made his debut with with the Rocky Mountain vibes. That's uh, cool. This year, he's Shout a great fit for that squad too. Yeah, perfect fit. Yeah. yeah. My answer is the Albuquerque Isotopes. Isotopes mm. is good. That's I mean, good the fact that that name came from the Simpsons, I mean, that was how it started, oh. is pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'm a lot older than you guys are, and I know the Simpsons wasn't probably as much of a childhood thing for you as it was for me, but that was the fictitious minor league team for Springfield, the fictional city yeah. uh, for the show, The Simpsons. And the fact that Albuquerque just took that and loved it and ran with it, I mean, they don't have, I mean, it was because Homer worked at a power plant, the nuclear power plant, and uh, the name made sense. It doesn't quite have the same meaning in Albuquerque, but they just they just took the name, and it's an awesome logo. It's an awesome jersey. It is a cool logo. It's an logo. awesome hat, yeah. and it's an awesome story yeah. from one of the most influential television shows in American history. Is The Simpsons still being made? Still being made. Really? I think they're on their 148th season. That sounds about right. I mean, season goes back to the 1800s. That's it's incredible. Crazy. It's incredible. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> Love Ice. the isotopes. Isotopes. Zach attack. Time for the weekly Zach attack. Zach, my man, what do you got for us? Well, 
it's a great week. You know, the the Vols lost with a just an amazing oh, upset. So we're we're in a great mood. We're gonna keep it light this week. Yeah. Uh, a lot of ball gonna, fans in this building. Come on now. That's gonna, a hot, that's yeah, a hot take yeah, on your yeah. part. Woo. Yeah. Go Cox. Just, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're going to keep it light. Um, this uh, this take has been with me for a long time now. Uh, we're going to go with the most fundamentally sound baseball movie that has ever been made. <laughs> has to go to Little Big League from the just – Every single actor in that movie looks like they played the game of baseball. They the amount of cameos that's in that movie. I mean, you got. I know you stump heavily for this movie. I, I love this movie. If if you're a parent out there and your kid has not seen this movie, put this movie on. It's real baseball. Real baseball is being played. The kid manager knows what he's talking about. Does what he needs to do. Really knows how to rally a team. And again, back to the cameos. I mean, you got Rafael Palmeiro, you got Pudge Rodriguez. Uh, Did any clean players make it to this movie? Uh, Randy Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then, I mean, the goat, the kid, Ken Griffey Jr. just plays an absolute amazing villain in the movie with uh, and. That I mean, you I just, don't think you're gonna get any disagreement from either of us. I, I, I don't. It's a good movie, ex- like you do. I'm not expecting any disagreement. It's to a be good movie. It, it's it's amazing. But your point is the quality of the baseball play itself. I'm, yeah, is I'm better not, than any other movie. I, I, yeah, I was say I, I won't say that it's the best baseball movie ever made. It is my favorite because of the story and the fact that I they, was waiting for a negative flip on this. No, because I thought Zach, but, I thought the Zach attack was gonna be. Still, but okay. No, that's what I'm saying. We're we're having we're having we're having a great week so far. So we're gonna start positive, and uh, it's good. Yeah, again, not gonna say it's the best baseball movie ever made. That is very debatable, but you could tell they did their their research when they were when they were casting these people. They did a great job. One of the best uh, one of the best riddles you could ever possibly come up with. And uh, do you know the riddle? So, Don't know it. so uh, Cowboy rides down, rides into town on Friday. He stays three days, oh, and he, and he leaves that. on Friday. How does he do it? Is that from the movie? My eight-year-old tells me this Is joke. that seriously on the, that's from yeah. the movie? Oh, yeah. That's the first time I heard that, heard that riddle. The horse's name is Friday, Zach. Yes. Okay. okay. All right. All right. My boy Good job. still tells Thanks, that joke. Yeah. Loves it. Thanks. Loves yeah. it. Interesting. So, yeah. That, that's, my, uh, that's my Zach attack for the cool, day. Man. Okay. Go Cox. No argument. I hope your, no week, argument. I hope your week stays so positive. <laughs> me too. All right. Ryan, what are we crying about this week? Well, mine's not so much positive. Um, Fancy that. Mm. <laughs> Let's go. And I know Zach's ready for this discussion because mm, I did I've been have, waiting on it. I had to give a disclaimer before we before we came on here, but and I'm not taking anything away from Aaron Judge. Enough but, with the preamble. Oh, okay. The MVP voting came out this week. Aaron Judge won by a landslide over the best player in Breach. baseball, Shohei Otani. I'm not saying that Judge didn't deserve the MVP award, but how in the world is it 48 to 2? Why wouldn't it be? Because the media doesn't want Shohei Otani to keep winning it every year like he should. Why, why do you say that? Because he should win it every single year. Just because he pitches. Because he does he pitches well and hits well. 
He should win it every single year. I'm not saying that other people aren't going to win it, like Judge. I'm not taking anything away from Judge. He had a great year. Should Shohei Otani win it every single year because he's an athlete, the best athlete in the world? Yes. I don't agree with that. How? I, I don't understand how you can't agree with that. I don't. They understand. just have I, to give it to a different face. Well, as a former member of the media, yes, that has a lot to do with it. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Shohei nope. because he's unbelievable. He is amazing. He, he is, you can't even say he's once in a generation. That's not true. He's like a once in a century player. Yep. It's incredible what he can do. Yeah. I mean, he's a legit, <clears throat> pardon me, you know, power guy at the plate, and he's a legit 15-game, 200-strikeout guy on the mound. It's absolutely unprecedented. But the media does have something to do with this because it was an amazing story last year, and they don't want to tell that same story again this year. And Aaron Judge has a story this year. I mean, that has something to do with yeah, it. In, in a way in better story. Award, awards that are voted on by the media, which is not always the perfect way to do it, but it's, it's just like Michael Jordan in the NBA. He could have won a dozen straight MVPs, but every now and then you got to give it to Karl Malone. Every now and then I you know. got to give it to I, Charles Barkley. And- you think, are you saying this is a pity MVP vote? No, I'm not saying that this is a pity MVP vote, but MVP vote, sorry. But, I mean, we have to look at it at... What he sh- does is very impressive. I will not say that. Yes, he had Aaron Judge had a way better story. If you lead in all of those offensive categories, it doesn't matter what anybody else does. Did he get the triple crown? No, he oh. almost got it. Okay. Did... did Shohei lead in, in two of any category in, as far as hitting goes? As far as hitting goes, no. What, what did he lead in? Well, he was top five in pretty much every single category across the board, pitching and hitting, other than average. How many games did they win? It's They would have <laughs> lost a whole lot more. They would have lost a whole lot more uh, if Shohei Otani I get, was not he, he playing. Is very, he is very valuable. The, I Angels, will say that. the Angels will win 25, 30 games if Shohei Otani is I, not playing. I get it. He's he's very valuable. Valuable. I will not disagree with that. He has a 2-5, uh, and he's 15-9. and nine. That shows player. how bad his he's, team he's is. A, I, mean, yeah. I mean, we have a lot of Braves fans in this part of the country, but you could make the argument that Shohei Otani is essentially Austin Riley at the plate and Max Freed on the mound which is incredible in one person. There's that's no what, question about it. And that's what I'm saying. There's that, no question about it. Where did Austin Riley finish in MVP voting? Second, I, was Max Fried in the Cy Young conversation this year? I don't really know. I don't think so. Regardless, I, sure, Judge can have the MVP. He can have it. He, he does, oh, he, glad, no, glad, okay, glad sorry. you're signing no, off he, on that. He deserves the MVP for his season. Should, yes, he does. Should the voting have been 48-2 to two and the two votes are just West Coast Angels guys, no. I, I, I think I, you're right. It should I, I not have been that, that much of a landslide. Yeah, it shouldn't have been that much of a landslide. But I agree. there's that's another a, component of this. It's a generational thing. You know, back in 1987, you guys weren't born yet. I understand that. But Andre Dawson way. wins the MVP for a last place Chicago Cubs team because his numbers were just that incredible, and that's what mattered. But since then, I just don't think that's ever going to happen again. The argument now is always, yeah, but where did what did his team do? Did they win what the pennant? Did, the did they make do? the World Series? I mean, they were on pace to, to win a ridiculous amount of games. If they, did, yes, if they, they did not have down. Judge. They still won the American League East, which not, is the most yeah. competitive division in baseball. So it's not like they did nothing. I know their October was disappointing, but it doesn't change the fact that the Angels have won nothing and gone nowhere, and that's now a part of the conversation. 
Andre Dawson's story does not happen in the 21st century. In 1987, it was okay because his numbers were just staggering. Nowadays, if the Yankees had gone 75 and 87 and Judge has the identical season, he doesn't win the MVP. I agree. He doesn't. It's 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 not fair for Otani. I will say that it's not. I fair. I think Judge would still in win the situation. MVP regardless. I mean, those are generational numbers. One of the best seasons. Like, like I, I think I think he's amazing. The beginning of the show. <laughs> just generational. I, I agree. Numbers. I agree. Though you got to stop say generational numbers. It should not have been that close of a of a vote or that that far of a vote. Say, no, it, it should have been a closer vote. I I do agree with that. Okay. I think it's an amazing player. The, the White Sox would gladly trade him straight up for Yoan Moncada. What do you <laughs> okay, say? Okay, perfect. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Give us Andrew Vaughn and Yoan Moncada, and we'll call it good. That'll work. All right. That'll work. Okay, that'll do it for the Clueless Joe podcast, powered by Rawlings. Thank you to Zach Streitenthal. Bring out the Velvet Elvis. And Ryan Gaynor. <laughs> See you guys. Happy holidays. Very special thank you to Tony Manzolino. Thank you to our sponsors, Tanner Tees and Pro9 Sports. Thank you to the aforementioned music man, Philip Kramer. And thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss the show. You can follow us on social media across all platforms at DBAT Nashville.